Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Well, good morning, Heights family. Good to see everybody on this Father's Day. I hope it's a great day for all you dads filled with red meat, fishing, golfing, whatever makes you feel honored and loved. I hope that for you. And uh, kudos to you for making this day a day you led your family to church. Hey, we don't, we don't bat a thousand, but we sure help our average when we're leading our family to church. I had a chance at the beginning of the service to be up with our children's ministry, their worship service up there. They invited fathers to it. And between this hour and the last hour, there's almost 80 fathers were up there apart of uh, that this morning and being with our kids in worship. So we're just having a, a, a good day all around. You know, in our series on commandments, we, we, there's a command about honoring parents, isn't it? H- how nice that right here in the middle of our series, it, it serves a, a, a day like Father's Day, if, if that's what I was preaching on today. I missed it by one week. Uh, I got to go in order. And we're not on number five. We're on number four. So next week will be about honoring mom and dad. But today is on honoring the Sabbath. And and as we look at honoring the Sabbath today, uh, you might remember I mentioned several weeks ago that somewhere in the course of this, we're going to have to talk a little bit about our relationship with the law. And, and that question might sound weird to you. Maybe, what do you mean my relation? I don't even know what you're asking. Well, as we come under Christ, we're no longer under the law. What does that mean? It means I'm not made right with God by these commands that we're studying. Why are we studying them? Well, we'll get to that in a moment, but we're not made right with God by our obedience to these commands. We're not made, made right with God in, in our obedience to any of the commands. We're made right with God by Jesus Christ. Our, our faith is in Him. And that's not like a unique thing I believe or this church believes. That's Orthodox Christianity. Uh, that is what the Bible says. Let me show you one simple, clear verse that is representative of so many verses. Romans 3.28, we hold that one is justified. That, that means made right with God. We hold that that happens. How? By what? Say, say it again. Faith, not by faith, not by, let's just make it clear, not by the law. I'm not made right with God by the commands, by the law, but by faith in Christ. Now, you know, so if I'm not made right by that, then then what's the point of obeying these commands? Well, how about we love God? Right? It's not, not about making an angry God happy. It's not about a list of rules that we need to keep. It is about loving God. You know, I'm told in the Bible to love God and I'm told to be holy. Well, how do you love God? I mean, I haven't seen him. What do you mean be holy? Do you know every single command is an expression of what it looks like, what it means to love God? Every command is an expression of what holiness is because all the commands are expressions of God. God says, thou shalt not murder. Why? Because he's life. God says, thou shalt not lie. Why? Because he's truth. So these commands are giving me a path 
to loving God. These, pa- these commands are giving me a path to being holy like God, to being like the one that I love. Now, as we come under Christ and no longer the law, why, why the law has benefit, verse 31, which I didn't put up here, but it says we still uphold the law, but our relationship with the law does change. And to understand that we get, there's different parts of the law. There's dietary law, sacrificial law, ceremonial law, moral law. And, and these things change how, how we operate with them. Sometimes as the world looks at us in this change, they maybe think we're being hypocrites. There, there's actually a, a place right now, very, very common in, in our modern debate of society against the church, where we are saying from our scriptures that homosexuality is wrong. And they're saying, yeah, but the verse you get that from, you don't obey all of that. Let, let me show you what I'm talking about here. Leviticus 18, verse 22. Leviticus is a book that is a law from the first word to the last word. It is, it is a big representation of what the law is. And in that, Leviticus 18, you find, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. That is an abomination. And that verse is not just some random idea God had as he was giving us his word. What Leviticus 18 is about is about sex in marriage. Sex is one man, one woman in marriage. Seems simple enough. How can we mess that up? (laughs) Yeah, God knows our sin nature and he knows that we'll figure out a thousand ways to go, well, what about well, well, what if? And so Leviticus 18 kind of gives one line after another. He said it positively, one man, one woman marriage. Now let me tell you all the things that does not mean. And to be honest with you, it's kind of awkward and uncomfortable to read it. Because he has to tell us, don't lie with somebody of the same sex. Don't lie with an animal. Don't lie with children. Don't lie with family members. You think, gosh, Lord, do you really need to say all this? Look around. It seems pretty clear we still don't get it. And so now we've got going on what we've got in America, and the church runs to a passage like Leviticus 18 and says, see what God says, and then they, they who do not love God's word, they who do not want to honor and obey God's word, will point out our hypocrisy, because guess what else it says in Leviticus? As a matter of fact, not only in Leviticus, but in Leviticus Chapter 18, verse 11, it says, Anything in the seas or the rivers that does not have fins or scales is detestable to you. You know what that means? No shrimp. No shrimp. Look at you. Oh, yeah, you want to go get the verse that beats up the homosexuals, but you're doing it while you eat a shrimp cocktail, you big hypocrite. I mean, hey, this is real for me. I I had shrimp this Friday night. Now, let me tell you something. I am a hypocrite. And I do have within me the ability to trumpet some verses and ideas that I'm really good at keeping, that are my favorites. And I stay kind of quiet about some things maybe I'm not so good at, that I'm not hitting a home run on. In that way, I am a hypocrite. By the way, I feel very comfortable saying that in front of you because I have good company in this room. We all do that, but Leviticus 18 is not an example of that. 
because our relationship with the law has changed. So that is an example of the dietary law. Obviously, it's about food. In Mark chapter 7, verse 18 to 22, Jesus declared all foods clean. We are no longer going to operate under a dietary law. So you see, it's not me picking and choosing what I want to use It's the Scripture telling me how the Scripture is to be used. It's God telling me what part of His Word I need to relate with and what part has changed. It's God telling me that, not me picking and choosing. You know, again, since I'm kind of in the book of Leviticus here, uh, and I'm making this percentage up, I don't know exactly what it is, but I am guessing a third to a half of the entire book of Leviticus is about the sacrificial laws. You know, what is a sacrifice? How's it to be performed? Who's to perform it? When? Where? It is a mountain of verses about the sacrifices of which you don't follow a single one of them. Why? You and I come under one verse. Jesus Christ died for all sins, for all people, one time. Now, see, we get that. That's real clear. Okay, I, I, I may have been under at one time this sacrificial law, but under Christ, I no longer relate to that part of the law. By the way, I think there's great value in studying it and understanding it. Every part of God's Word is relevant to us, and the Scripture will tell us what we do with each part of that Word. Now, we see a change in the dietary law. We see a change in the sacrificial law. What about the moral law? Is there a change in the moral law? You know, my immediate answer would be no. But then I'd stop and think about it and go, maybe Jesus made it a little stricter. Remember that lesson? Remember that words? Some of this will sound familiar to you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 and following, Jesus actually starts quoting the Ten Commandments. He says, hey, y'all have all heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. You've all heard it said, thou shalt not murder, right? But I want to tell you something. Your guilt doesn't begin when there's a dead person laying on the ground. Your guilt doesn't begin when you get out of bed with somebody you should not have been in bed with. Your guilt begins when the hate and the lust enters your heart. It sounds to me like Jesus tightened the screws a little there on the moral law. He didn't remove it. He, he, He made it a little bit tighter. So, you know, folks, our relationship does not change with the moral law. It does change with other aspects of the law. You know, folks, when God the Father sent his son into this world, it brings to you and me an overwhelming love and forgiveness. It's hard to fathom. It's hard to understand it. We can define love. We can define forgiveness. Most of us believe in that. We trust in that, and we can talk about it. And I'm telling you, we're not even close to understanding how great his love and forgiveness are. But that love and forgiveness does not remove the moral law. It does not erase the moral law. It does not make irrelevant the moral law. The moral law shows me how I can love him back. Not win his approval, not make him happy how I can love him back. Now, it's going to sound funny to take that little discussion I just have and plop it on this command because guess what else is not a part of the moral law? The Sabbath. The, 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 the command that we're going to be looking at today. So I know right now somebody's leaning over. I told you we didn't need to come to church today. <laughs> Let's see if we can understand what this command is all about. You know, kind of like sex. One man, one woman, marriage. So simple. How can we mess that up? You know, Sabbath is 
one day stop. How hard is that? Well, we've, we've made a mess of it. You know, you're talking about the command that Jesus and the Pharisees went head to head on more, more than anything else during his walk on this earth. We're talking about a command that we have beat each other up with. We judged each other with this 2,000 years ago, and we judge each other with it. Now, probably less and less now. Some of us will remember that. There was a real, you know, the rules we keep on this. What is the Sabbath? If it's not a rule, if I don't get into heaven by going to church on Sunday morning, then, then what is this day about. Let's see if we can understand that. Turn with me today to Exodus chapter 20, second book in your Bible or Bible app, Exodus chapter 20. And uh, just as we've done each week, we're not just going to read the, the command in focus today, but we're going to read all of the Ten Commandments. Beginning in verse 1, then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of slavery. You must not have any other God but me. That's number one. Number two, you must not make for yourself an idol or any kind of uh, or image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God and will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generation of those who, generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Number three, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Pastor Rico handled that for us last week. I'm grateful for his message on that. Number four in our focus today, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord Look for key words here. There's something about this day. Whatever it is, it has something to do with being dedicated to the Lord. Uh, On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy, dedicated to the Lord, blessed, holy. Keep these key words in mind. Verse number, number 5, verse 12, this will be next week. Honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Number 6, you must not murder. 7, you must not commit adultery. 8, you must not steal. 9, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. And 10, you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. So the way I'm going to kind of roll through this today and try to understand, we're going to try to answer four questions. Four questions. I'm a little bit longer on the first two, so don't get too nervous when I say question number three and you look at your watch. I'm a little quicker on number three and four, but I warn you right now, I'm, 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 we're, you're going to know everything there is to know about the Sabbath when you leave here, okay? So I hope you've got a snack before you came in. So first question, what is the Sabbath? Well, the genesis of the Sabbath, no pun intended, is Genesis chapter 2. 
God has created for six days. And what a creation. And on the seventh day, he Sabbaths. That word means rest. It means stop. It means cease. Now, when we hear rest, we, th- we think of being worn out, right? We think of being, t- I-, I need to rest. I need- Give me a second here. I- I- I've-, I've got to stop. That's not the way the word is being used here. God-, God can have all the power flow out of him to create a universe, and they're not even a little bead of sweat. He doesn't even need a glass of water when he's done. He is all-powerful. It took him no energy. He spoke everything into existence. What he did do is stop and enjoy. Stop and be satisfied in his work. Remember, each command is not about something you do to make an angry God happy. Each command is an expression of who he is and what he's like. And God is somebody who works and then celebrates. Works and then enjoys. Works and knows. Boy, a word we don't know in America. Satisfaction. That, that is what God is giving to us in this day. And, and that word right there when it's first used is not the name of a day. What's being given to us, what's being commanded here is living a cycle of life. Six days on, one day off. That'd be the simplest way to say it. Six, six days for doing our work. And you know, work here doesn't just mean what you do for a paycheck. It's what I do for a paycheck, it's school, it's mowing the yard, it's the errands, it's the grocery store, it is, it is all the things you and I do to make life work, to, to manage life. For six days we accomplish that, and on the seventh day we stop and we celebrate the Lord and we celebrate life and we celebrate the work that we just did the last seven days. Now, that command, after all this discussion about our change in our relationship with the law, that command comes before the law. You know, the law was something given as a covenant relationship between God and his people. This command is in Genesis is given to all of humanity. Every, not about their religion. It's about how I've made you and designed you. You do understand evolution and scientists are in many cases, knowingly lying to you. I'm not saying I can prove creation. I can say there's a mountain of evidence to back it up. And all the evidence of evolution says, this can't possibly be true. And yet they teach it as a fact. They lie. God made you. He designed you as a relational being, a spiritual being, a physical, emotional, uh, mental being. He knows how you work. And he said, hey, you know what? Do work for six days and the seventh day, stop. That's how I've designed you to to stay full. That's how I've designed you to keep going. Of course, we know better, right? We we know better now. But now the Jews obviously did see this command in Genesis come into the Ten Commandments and become a part of the law. And they did put it on, based, I'm guessing, their cycle of life, the seventh day was what you and I call Saturday. It began Friday evening and it ended Saturday evening. A lot of us maybe have heard that same description at, in, in Easter passages, you know, when we're celebrating the crucifixion. And, and they said, you know, they wanted to take Jesus off the cross before Friday evening, before the Sabbath started. Do you know why they do that? It's not just the Sabbath. It's every day of the week. 
That's so backwards from our thinking, isn't it? You and I, when we wake up and head to the coffee pot and to the breakfast table, we are beginning a new a new day. I don't know how they did this, but they begin a new day when the sun goes down. What are they thinking? But that was the Jewish mind. That was their culture. A new day started, not just the Sabbath. Every new day started when the sun went down and we gathered around the dinner table. We are beginning, well, what you and I would call the next day. So it became their Saturday. Two words here. uh, Three, dedicated to the Lord. Whatever you're going to build in a Sabbath, and that is where we're going today. We're going to talk about building our own Sabbath. However you define that, it's, it's, it's about something that is dedicated and given to God. Another word, blessing. Whatever I'm doing with this or not doing with this, folks, remember, it's a gift. What God has for you is not a rule to make him happy. What he has for you is something for your blessing, a gift for your well-being. And, and then the, the third word there, holy, that, that's a That word kind of weirds us out. We're never quite sure what to do with that. The word holy simply means set apart, distinct, not like the others. Well, that's really easy to apply. Okay, so I've got a day here that's holy. What does it mean that it's holy? It means it's not like the other six. It it is to be different than that. You know, we used to have a culture, didn't we, that kind of honored the Sabbath. That mean we were all worshiping God on the Sabbath. We were all doing what we needed to on the Sabbath. But as a culture, we are, I, you know, I don't know the age because it, y- y'all remember the term blue laws, right? And those were usually set by states. And so for some of us, it would have been happening at different times. And it didn't, it didn't stop all of a sudden. It was kind of one at a time. But I'm guessing if you're under 35, you don't know what I'm talking about. If you're over 35, you know, we, there was a time when pretty much everything was closed on Sunday. Y'all remember that? I mean, you, you go to a restaurant, you, you could go to the grocery store. I remember when you got to the grocery store, you couldn't buy any beer. We're in Baptist church, everybody's like, do I laugh at that? Is, that? is that funny? I'm not sure if that's funny or not. Now, I was 10, so I was not going to buy beer, okay? But here's my point in saying that. As a child, I could walk into a store, maybe I'm a believer, maybe I'm not a believer, but very visually there was something that said, because that section was darkened out. The lights were not on on those shelves. Visually, I could see. That's what my culture told me. Something's different about this day. Maybe I like that, maybe I don't like that. Doesn't matter whether I like it, there's something different about this day. What would you point to today? I mean, there's, there's a, matter of fact, you know what? The only thing that points anything out to society about this day being different is you and I getting up and going to church. That is literally the only thing that would communicate to a watching world. There's something different about this day. You know, folks, this is a day God has given us to be satisfied to celebrate. Now the question comes, do I trust God enough to believe that my satisfaction will be in using this day? Do I enjoy God enough that he is my satisfaction? Do do I trust him with this to do with this day what he said to do? And it seems like we've pretty much decided, you know, if you work another day, you get more done. 
And if I get more done, I'll be happier and I'll be healthier. healthier. And you know what? I'm not sure I want to step out of the rat race. I mean, you know, I might be the prettiest for a moment, but how long does that last? I might be the best at sales for a moment, but how long will that last? I might be the top of for a moment, but how long does that last? And, and we, have, we have wound ourselves very tight, and we work continuously. We work at play. We make everything a task and a job. But look how much happier and healthier we are for it. I would dare say we're as unhappy and unhealthy as we've ever been as a people. You know, it's, it's interesting when you do walk through the Old Testament, and even though, folks, there's a change in a relationship, it's all relevant. It all has a principle that it's teaching us. When you walk through the Old Testament, you see things that happen to individuals and to nations when they abandoned the Sabbath. I'm not saying every problem in America is because we don't honor the Sabbath. I am saying I think we'd be in awe and in shock of the things that are wrong in our lives and in our nation that started with our rebellion against God's design. The Sabbath is for you. And every time we don't obey it, we tell God, I know more than you know. What is the Sabbath? Stop. What day is the Sabbath? Now, I'm guessing nobody lost any sleep on that this week. Matter of fact, I imagine there's a few people that are going, I I didn't know this was a question. I thought we all kind of agreed Sunday, right? it, It is a question for some. There are those that believe the Sabbath should have never moved to Sunday, that it is on Saturday. I'm confident a number of us have run into some of those people at work, at school, the neighbor, somewhere, and they don't want to just debate that with you. They want to judge you for that. They want to judge you that you're using the day. They, hey, it said Saturday. Uh, actually, it, it didn't. <laughs> but we'll get to that. So how did we end up where we end? You know, real simple, we, we worship on Sunday because of the resurrection. That's how that started. And so for 99.9% of Christian history, he said, why didn't you say 100% of Christian history? Because there was a transition there. There was a movement, and, and, and it took some time. But for almost all of Christian history, we worship on Sunday, we Sabbath on Sunday because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, those who are against that are going to tell you, uh, number one, there was a conspiracy in the church to kidnap it off Saturday and put it on Sunday. That is a very entertaining story. Please read about it. Have somebody tell you about the conspiracy. Uh, the second reason they're going to give, and by the way, I actually think, okay, I'll give you that point. They're going to point out there is no command in the New Testament to stop doing Sabbath on Saturday and start doing it on Sunday. There's no command that says to do that. Oh, okay. So they got that point. They're going to also point out that Peter, Paul, the apostles, as you go through Acts and a lot of the letters, you're going to see it. And they went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. So they're going to say, as they became Christians, they continued to do that on what was then Saturday. And uh, so they're going to throw out these points to you and me. Uh, While there is no command, I would also say, yeah, but it does show people going in the Bible to to what you and I would say going to church on Sunday. 
they're gathering on what they would call the first day of the week. They're gathering. As a matter of fact, I think it's 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says, and they gathered and took up the offering. Well, we know if there's an offering, we've had church, right? I mean, that's even kind of a joke. Man, we, we can have a good Bible study together, good singing and good pray, and you'll hear somebody say, well, let's take up an offering and we can call it church. I, I don't know why an offering makes it official, but it does. But there they are. They're taking up an offering on the first day. So it does seem like there was a movement to that day. So why, why do we, why can we feel absolutely confident that Sunday is the day? Number one, the command is not about the name of a day. R- read, read the Ten Commandments. Read Genesis 2. There's no command about this day and this day only is the Sabbath. The command is about a principle of life, a flow of life. You work six days and you Sabbath on the seventh. Now, I don't think that means you can make up whatever seventh day you want. We'll get to that in a second. But if I was going to be legalistic and literal about Exodus 20 in America, in our culture, I would say you, you got to do the Sabbath on Sunday. That's our flow of life. And then they're going to respond and say, look at a calendar. And you know, they're right. It's amazing how often we look at stuff and never think about what we're looking at. Do you know almost every calendar you look at, Sunday's going to be over here in the number one spot and Saturday's going to be over here in the number seven spot. Oh, they got us. Day one, day seven, that they're right. Eh, that may be what calendars do on a printing press, but that's not how anybody in this room or anybody in America lives. Nobody woke up today and said, we're starting a new week. Almost everybody wakes up on Monday and says, we're starting a new week. You don't feel that way about any other day of the week. Most days wake up and say, we're starting a new day. But on Monday, we're starting a new, we're starting a new week. And then, and we're not usually that excited about starting a new week, are we? But then there's the other side of this. We get on the school bus at 3 o'clock on Friday, or we get in our car at 5, and we got a little lift. We're a little excited because we're about to start the week. End. End of what? End of the week. What two days in the way you and I life live life represent the end? Saturday and Sunday. Sunday is our day seven. So if I'm going to read Exodus 20, and I don't know anything about any debate anywhere, and I think, oh, I've got to be going hard six days and top one day. You're you're very naturally going to put that on Sunday, because it's hard to Sabbath when nobody else is. It'd be be hard to Sabbath on Thursday. You know, it's hard to go zero on the highway when everybody else is doing 80, right? As a matter of fact, that kind of becomes our temptation to not go zero on Sunday also, but we'll, we'll get to that. So if I was, uh, if I was, if I'm picking a day, I'm going to remember God's giving me a principle, not the name of a day. Number two, when the, when the Jews, these early Jews, the Peter, the Paul, the John, the James, when they're going to synagogue, folks, something we need to remember is, well, two things. One, they're going to reach their fellow Jews for Christ. And they're going where people gathered to discuss scripture. And when did they do that? at the synagogue on the Sabbath. They're, they're going there to witness as much as anything. But also, we have to remember, there was a process by which they transitioned. You, you know, today, if somebody's in the Jewish faith and they receive Christ, everybody around them is going to see them, to, to use a phrase, changing religions, right? 
Their family will see them as leaving Judaism and coming over to Christianity. These first believers didn't think they were changing anything. And why would they? I'm a Jew. I'm believing in the Jewish scriptures for a Jewish Messiah. There is my Jewish Messiah. I'm being entirely Jewish to receive Christ. And so they didn't think anything was changing. And that led to, as you read the book of Acts and the letters, they start dealing with issues like, hey, what does actually transfer over? What do we? The sacrifices. You think when they received Christ, that just, boom, that just stopped immediately? No, they had to, hey, wait a minute. What's God teaching here? The big discussion all through the New Testament is circumcision. That's how you entered the covenant relationship with God. That's how you entered the Jewish faith. And so as all these Gentiles, these non-Jews are coming to Christ, well, you got a lot of Jews, lovers of Jesus, who are saying, no, 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 no. They're not in until they get circumcised. And that was a big debate. So see, it, it was a process of learning and changing and transitioning over into what would actually become the church. Number three, and after explaining all this, I could have just said number three and we'd been done with it. Romans chapter 14, verse 5 and 6 says, Celebrate and honor the principle of the Sabbath without exalting one day over another. That, that, that's not what God's doing. He's, God's not getting obedience by one day over another. Put my principle in place. It's for you. It's for your good. And lastly, number four, folks, the resurrection should change everything. How in, whether there was a church conspiracy or not, I've never actually understood that one. How entirely appropriate that we Sabbath on Sunday You know, there's actually, what is the Sabbath about? There was six days of creation, and then God said, it's finished. And the next day, he sat back in satisfaction over what he did. And he said, hey, I want you all to do the same. And do you know, as we come up on the cross, there's a whole physical creation all around us. But spiritually, we were dead. Spiritually, we didn't exist. And God came to do a new work. And what did Jesus say about that work on the cross? It is finished. And when you and I come under the cross, when we come under the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, You are, I am a brand new creation. Much in the same way that a physical creation gave us a Sabbath, a spiritual creation gives us a new Sabbath. This day is our... Why do you get up and go every morning? Because Jesus is alive. That's it. That's the entire witness. Because Jesus is alive. And I'm a new creation. How entirely appropriate that this is our Sabbath. Okay, number three and four. I know I'm long. Let me go fast here. Number three. What rules do I have to do or not do? What can I do on the Sabbath? Now, this is a big one because we judge each other over this, right? I mean, there, hey, you, you got to do this on Sunday, and you can't do this, and if I see you doing it, I'm going to judge you. You know what? I actually think you should have some rules. Just don't use them to judge others. Rules murder the Sabbath. Rules make it not a satisfaction. And yet I'm saying you should have rules. Well, look at Colossians 2.16. 
It says there, don't let anyone judge you in regard to a Sabbath day. The idea behind that is don't let anybody judge the content, the makeup of your Sabbath day. That's why I'm going to challenge you in a moment to build your own Sabbath day. And we should have some rules. And here's why. Because you will never honor the Sabbath if every Sunday morning you wake up and say, what does it look like to honor the Sabbath today? Honoring the Sabbath is something you do seven days a week. You have to organize and prepare a lot. Because see, what happens is, I don't want to mow the yard on the Sabbath. It's noisy. It's noise for me. It's noise for my household. It's noise for my neighbors. That's work. I don't want to have to do that. But I was traveling last weekend, and my yard's up to here. It rained on Friday and Saturday. It's going to rain again tomorrow. This is all God's given me to mow my yard. And I got to be a good neighbor, right? Yeah, we can get stuck like that sometimes, especially if we're not thinking about the Sabbath all week long. You see, when I develop some rules, not for you, for me, when I develop some things for me, for my household that we want to be and do, then I can, I can, hey, it's, oh gosh, it's going to rain Friday. I might need to get home and, and mow the yard Thursday night. So I didn't get stuck thinking Sunday's the only day I can do it. And that's an easy one, folks. It's literally everything going on in our lives. If I know what I want to be and do with the Sabbath, if I know what I want to, what was dedicate to the Lord, if I know what I want to dedicate to Him, I, I can't make that up each and every Sunday. Otherwise, I'll never end up doing it. I've got to know what I'm trying to build. Here's four quick things that are part of building a Sabbath. Number one, obviously the day should be marked by rest. That's what the word means. Whatever else I'm doing, not doing, rest. And remember, rest there isn't about, I'm tired. Rest there is about celebrate. It's about the satisfaction of work done. Now, I'm not always satisfied with the work I did in the last six days. Are you? But I'm always satisfied in God and his work that he's done for me. But whatever I'm building, it's rest. Number two, it's holy. So remember, it's not to look like the other days of the week. Now, that, don't get legalistic about that. I eat the other six days of the week. Does that mean I can't eat on Sunday? No, that's not what it means. We all know what, we all know what Monday through Friday feels like, right? We, we all have, there's a flow for every one of us. We have different jobs. We work different shifts. We've got different priorities. But for the most part, we all know the flow of Monday through Friday, Monday morning to Monday night. On Sunday, the goal is to step back from that flow. That's the goal. Not a don't do this, do this. It is to step back from the normal flow. Number three. and this is not in order because this obviously would be important, uh, is a day for remembering the Lord. There's actually two ideas there. A day for remembering the Lord, pause with his people. You know, folks, there's a lot in the Bible about the Sabbath, a whole lot from Genesis to Revelation, and there's not one, not a single illustration, picture, model, example of somebody Sabbathing without God being the center of that and without doing that with his people. Zero. That has to stand out to us, doesn't it? And the strange thing is that sounds odd to us because I'm American, 
And as an American, I'm all about the individual. I don't need you to worship God. I don't need you to rest. I don't care what God's... Oh, I didn't mean to say that. I mean, that's what my life is saying, even though I don't want those words to be said. Not a single illustration. It's not about what you say, well, I don't need to worship. Right? It's not about what you need. God said the Sabbath is centered on him. It doesn't mean you have to be here for 12 hours, no matter how long the sermon is. It doesn't mean you have to be here all day. It doesn't mean we have to be here together all day. It means as I'm building a Sabbath, a hallmark of that, a center of that is going to be a focus on celebrating the Lord and doing that with his people. Number four, lastly, it's a day defined by conviction. You should have some rules. Not rules for others, rules for yourself. Decide, how do I want to live this day? What do I want to do? What do I not want to do? And then stick to it. And believe this, believe it or not, folks, this is all for you. You know, our our entire denial of the Sabbath is saying, I don't need what God said I need. We're not building something to make an angry God happy. We're not building something to try to get ourselves. I know I did a lot of things wrong, Lord, but I went to church every Sunday. That, that's, not why, that's not what God said. That's not what we're doing. This is, do, do you know what God wins when you honor the Sabbath? Nothing. Not one thing. Do you know what you win when you honor the Sabbath? I would dare say your life and well-being. And America is an incredible illustration right now of telling God, I know how I'm created better than you know how I'm created. I know what I need better than you know what I need. This day is a gift, a blessing. It is for us. The scripture gives us ideas, principles that we have to build the day around. Boy, folks, we are living life in America wound so tight, so stressed, and so angry, and we're never satisfied. I can be be salesman of the month. I celebrate for three seconds, and then I got to keep flying and clawing because even if I'm the prettiest, smartest, fastest, best, strongest, for how long? We've made every single second of life a fight, a confrontation, a competition. Yeah, but look how far we're getting ahead. No, we're killing ourselves. We're killing our nation and we're killing ourselves in our mentality. God said, you know, I I gave you a gift. It's a gift to be able to stop and be satisfied. I can't always be satisfied in what I've done, but I can always be satisfied in what he's done. I, I really want to encourage you by yourself, your own soul, with a Bible, with prayer, as a couple, as a family, build a Sabbath. Build a day that stands out, that is distinct and separate from the others. Describe what you're going to be and do on that day that is different from the other six days. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. Build a Sabbath. It may take you a couple of discussions, a couple of weeks to do this. But if, if, you, did, if you got it built today, And by the way, just because you've gone to church your whole life doesn't mean you've built a Sabbath. People come in here with their hair on fire, go to church, and leave here with their hair on fire, and you've not honored the Sabbath. 
This building is incredibly important to your Sabbath, but this hour alone is not alone your Sabbath. So, so build that, and here's what I want you to do. Give God 52 Sundays. Now, it's Father's Day. So starting today until next Father's Day, and let's see what happens to the, the relational health in our lives. What happens to the emotional health in our lives, the physical, the mental health in our lives. You know, folks, it's, it's kind of funny. We're a sick nation. Everybody knows we're a sick nation. We're a, we're a sick people. And of course, this is somewhat true for our whole world. But you see, I've read and heard people say recently, and it's mostly in regards to mental health, you know what you need? You need, you need time every day, about 15 minutes, where you just stop and you meditate. Yeah, we used to call that prayer and talking with God. I've, a- I've actually seen somebody say, hey, you know what we need? You- you've got to have a day a week. You step out of the stress and the conflict for your mental health. Yeah, that's what God said like three seconds after he created us. And scientists are catching up to this now that our bodies actually need this. You know what, folks? If you build a Sabbath without God, it's like building a car without an engine. It may be the coolest looking car in the driveway, but it ain't going anywhere. You build a Sabbath that does not have God and his people in the center of it. You've got a day that will not take you to life and health and well-being. When we're done, we should have a Sabbath that is our worship. We should have a Sabbath that is our witness. And we'll have a Sabbath that is our well-being. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us. I'm I'm talking, I'm preaching to the choir here, Lord. We're a church-going group. Lord, forgive us for thinking that an hour in a building is a Sabbath. I thank you for this hour. I thank you for this building. I thank you for these people I gather with. God, I want to fully grasp and understand all that you had for me, for my home, for our church, when you gave us the blessing of a Sabbath. Oh, God, I pray every one of us will will leave here today and pray and think seriously, think much on what the Sabbath is in their life, what the Sabbath is in their home. Lord, guide us to building and shaping that around your principles and commands. And God, may we dedicate to you a year of Sundays and watch how good your plan, your gift is. Lord, you know we'll, we'll get sick and miss a Sunday. You know there'll be a vacation there. But, Lord, I pray those things are by far the exception and not the rule. Lord, I would pray when I get in my car and come here next week, it's an expression of how not only how much I love you, how much I need you. And if you say this is what I need, then that's what I need. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.